Welcome to Talk Amongst Yourselves, the Foul Entertainment Talkie Podcast. And today we're going over the best of the rest when it comes to 2018. We're talking games, we're talking music, and we're talking TV shows. I'm Mike, as uh, always. And I'm always Darren. Uh, yes, we usually do this in article form, but this year we're going to pair it with our podcast for the best films of 2018, which you can go and listen to now on the site. And like Mike said, this is going to cover video games and TV shows primarily. Uh, Michael's going to pick up my slack on music as I only added two songs made this year to my Spotify playlist. Jesus. Um, I added a lot more, but there's a lot more <laughs> stuff made in the 70s and 80s than there was from this very year. Yeah. Uh, so two of those. Uh, and then I'm going to pick up the slack on the sporting side of things. So nice. it's a nice balance between everything. Yeah. What shall we start with, Michael? I think everyone's really here for what we think about video games. Okay. So I think maybe we should begin there. Okay, I like the sound of that. Now, we, well, I wasn't, I've done a top three in the article, but because we wanted to do a top five, I have to give top five positions to the only other two games I've played. I've <laughs> only played five video games this year. But you get so. to talk about why you're still playing them, which is always nice. Very good point, Michael. Um, do you want, shall we, oh, you, do you have a worst game? At all. I don't know. I played five games and I liked all five of Fair them. Fair enough. So well, I'll let you kick off on that one. Um, I just want to do um, my worst game of 2018. Is it a hatchet job? It is the biggest of hatchet jobs. Oh. It is a hatchet the size of the fucking moon. I know what this is, To I a think. franchise I dearly love. I dearly, dearly love it. I know exactly what this is. And I spent... Four, oh, I bought the steelbook with it, so I spent £50 on this mm-hmm. game. And I don't think I'll spend another penny on a Dynasty Warriors game. What? Dynasty Warriors 9, in the words of Jim Sterling, can burn in fucking hell where it belongs. I I thought for all the world this was going to be Fallout 76. No, I didn't buy Fallout. I'm not that stupid. And yet somehow I still bought Dynasty Warriors 9. Oh, wow. Yeah. You love the Dynasty Warriors, Michael. This is the thing. This is not a Dynasty Warriors game. This is a... Bare bones attempt at making the franchise open world. Uh. And I mean bare. The world is fucking barren. And it's everything is spread so thinly out. I don't know why they bothered. I really don't know. They simplified the moveset. So, like, I know it's a button masher. Mm. But the whole pattern of you keep hitting square and then at intervals, whether it's, like, after your first attack, your second attack, your third attack, your fourth attack, your fifth attack, your sixth attack, which is, like, the progression system. That's how yeah. you get better at the characters, you unlock more special attacks. Mm-hmm. They instead decided to do, you have three attacks. You can access them by holding down this button and pressing that, either square, triangle, or circle. Right. That's all you fucking get. A launch, a thrust, or a grab, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's killed off the very core thing that makes it a Dynasty Warriors game. It doesn't have that progression of... Regular attacks, special attacks, the Musu attack, and the hyper attack. Right. And it doesn't have that rock, paper, scissors thing it had going in the previous games where people had different abilities and you can counter them by using different moves. Mm -hmm. There is no strategy in this primarily strategic game. See that being a problem. Yeah. And whilst the scale of the world is... I don't even want to give it credit for that. Because people call this game ambitious. There is no ambition in Dynasty Warriors 9 other than to shamelessly take money off its loyal fans. There are four characters that were just cut from the game 
and being sold at ransom because they're all brand new characters Mm -hmm. purely because they knew they could charge you an extra £25 to get Mm. them for four playable characters. They stripped the characters of their unique weaponry in the sense of realism, but this is also a game wherein you can, you know, fight tigers. Like... Not even like a hunting sense because the AI is that bad that they behave just as poorly as the rest of the right. the, uh, the the stupid troopers. But in a thing where it's a thousand versus, a, you know, one versus a thousand gameplay, there is no realism. The great thing about the Dynasty Wars franchise is it embraced how campy it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the pinnacle of this is taking the extremely flamboyant man's big butterfly wolverine claws away from him and giving him a fucking set of knives. Okay. Like like he's just been straight down uh, home based oh, in the kitchen okay. section. It looks really stupid. Too many characters have a ball on a fucking chain as their weapon. Right. Too many characters. And this is a series that's famous for like the butterfly claws, the giant over- oversized sword that nobody could possibly use. One of the characters was banging around a fucking tree in one of the old games. One of them uses a literal boat. Nope, you're all back to regular swords, regular spears. And balls on fucking chains. There is no variety in the gameplay. They even sacked all of the um, voice actors who have been with the franchise since... When did number three come out? Early 2000s? I'm going to say like 2002. Yes. So these are voices that people have been familiar with for the entirety of the franchise. And oh my god, the voice acting is somehow worse. It was at least campy anime fun mm. with all the original voices. Like you got people like Yuri Lowenthal, for example, who plays Spider-Man in PS4, oh, right, yeah. plays a few odd characters in Dynasty Warriors. He's gone. It's now just some no-name asshole who can't even pronounce the th- the names right. One of the main antagonists sounds like Marvin the fucking Martian. <laughs> it's really off-putting, and the designs they're nice enough, but it's everything is just homogenous and. Thinly spread, and it's like, yeah, you could just run straight to the final battle, the bit you want to play over there. But if you've got a hope in hell's chance of taking out the boss in less than an hour, then you better go out and do some farming. You better go out and invite your mates around for tea. I'm like, nobody wants this. It's an action game. Stop making us go out of our way to do dumb bullshit because you've made this open, expansive world that is, it's, I think it's actually less populated than Fallout 76's world. Okay. That's what it feels like. It feels less populated than a literal nuclear wasteland. I have heard criticisms of Breath of the Wild that eerily resemble what you just said. There's no one there. I could go straight to the final boss fight, but now I'm going to do some dumb shit instead. Uh, yeah, I feel like we did this entire podcast just so you can let off some steam about Dynasty Warriors, Michael. It is a betrayal of a franchise. This is... for example, I'm trying to think of like a, a cult game that you enjoy that not many other people do. You're going to be hard-pressed to find that. Okay, for example, though, if you took God of War... Mm. Now, I know they've done something new and interesting with God Mm. of War this year. Um, I haven't played it, so I can't can't comment on that. I know, I know. Michael. I'm picking it up in the sale in the next couple of days. I need to play it. Yeah. But I've had other games to play. Um, None of them being Dynasty Warriors 9. Um, But if they took God of War and they made it a puzzle game, for example... And they were like, well, we wanted to do something new and different. And this should, you know, this should appease you. We're trying something new. It's like, but it's not what we want. There's a reason why you're a cult game. There's a reason why you have a returning fan base. Because you're offering something that the competition don't offer. Or at least don't offer to a satisfying level. But there's no reason to support Tecmo Koei anymore. There's no reason. This game has killed off all good faith 
because they were doing some really shitty practices to begin with uh-huh. in relation to selling costume packs and extra characters and extra weapons and extra missions. They were already carving out their games, but we kept coming back because the core gameplay was still there, was still interesting. No. It, when they announced Dynasty Warriors 10, I'm not buying it. And I didn't think I would say that. I know. you. I've never played a Dynasty Warriors game. Well, I played Hyrule Warriors briefly, but uh, yeah. Do you think they're just going to get all their money from that now? Just licensing that? Because I know they did Fire Emblem Warriors. Yeah. I don't know what. I don't know if you can do Animal Crossing Warriors. <laughs> they may run out of steam rather quickly on that Animal one, Crossing but, uh, Warrior World. Oh, hell yes. I'll play um, it. Well, my number five is going to be a lot quicker because here by default is Pokemon Go. Oh, God. Probably the most time I've put into any of these five games just because I've played every day mm. for, for 20 minutes or so. Plus, I now have a longer walk to work. Therefore, I've increased the amount of eggs I can hatch and Pokemon I can catch, etc. Uh, it was a good year. It was the kind of progressive year you felt they needed year one, not year four. Mm. But um, we've got trainer battles now. They're kind of shite. They're okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just they, they gave us new Pokemon. Sinnoh Stones can stuck it, suck a dick. Yeah. Right, because the Sinnoh Stone issue continues to be terrible. Because if it was done in the same way as everything else, all the other items, that you can get it from random drops from Pokeball, uh, from Poker Centers, um, or it's guaranteed when you cash in your research, you get one. Because I've been doing the research task just to get the Sinnoh Stones. Mm. I don't need any of the legendaries on offer. They're nice, but I don't need them. Um, and he said, yeah, I've now gone two weeks with none of them. Yeah. I got three, so I feel lucky. You only had two. So I feel lucky in that respect, but that is a bit of an issue. They've, like I said, they've added in some Sinnoh Pokemon, which are rare spawns, which isn't still isn't cool. Yeah, because obviously they're always going to come up against this problem that they've still got people who are just going to be tuning in for the first time who want to catch Kanto Pokemon, who want to catch Johto Pokemon. But when you've got new Pokemon coming out, and when initially when the starters came out, the spawns went through the fucking roof. Mm. Every other Pokemon was a was a Sinnoh starter. But now it's gone back to, like, a rarity. They've released... This week, as we speak, they released Snova. Caught plenty of them. They've apparently released... Um, Scroopy. Scroopy, not seen one. Nope. Bronzong, not seen... Uh, Bronzor, sorry, not seen one. Um, I've, they've had Rialu in the eggs for ages. Haven't seen one. Nope. You haven't seen one. Chingling, no. Uh, Crowagunk, is there now live? Nothing. Yeah, that's not good. You should ramp... The, you're, you're getting people excited because the returning player base is back. Yeah. And more importantly, they've had an exclusive Pokemon released through Pokemon Go. Like, yeah. They've had the Meltan Melmetal family. Yeah. And that kind of just seemed like a huge uptick. It's like, not only is Pokemon Go now still the most played Pokemon game, I imagine, mm-hmm. but now is becoming an integral part of the franchise. And you're still kind of failing on quite a lot of levels, but you're still doing a lot of stuff right, so we still keep playing. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, the turnaround from, from year one is... It's night and day. It, oh, yeah. There's it no works comparison. now. It, Always fun. It's a functional fucking game. But, yeah. Well, I mean, by default, this is both the worst and fifth best game I've played all year. Fair enough. So, fair play to that. Uh, Maggle? Uh, my number five game of the year is going to be Monster Hunter World. Oh, I did want to play this. Now, I was a Monster Hunter virgin before this game. Mm. I, I, I dabbled in, like, demos for, like, generations, and I think yeah. I played one of the PS- ones on PSP, but mm-hmm. all of these memories have gone. Monster Hunter is simultaneously one of the most technical and complicated games I've ever played, and also a game that I could recommend as a pick-up-and-play mm-hmm. style game. The intro is very overbearing with text boxes, and that's how a lot of the information conveyed about how it works is sent over to you. Mm-hmm. 
But what the game is... Oh, oh and set, trying to set up an online match, by the way, is near to fucking impossible. Mm-hmm. And, but th- I'm, I'm under the illusion that that is not new. That is a series staple that it's needlessly complicated. It's tradition. But when it does work, it does work very well. Mm-hmm. And the satisfaction of, hun- of like, tracking and bringing down a creature several times the size of you is definitely a satisfying feeling. And doing it with friends, even more so. Right. Where it does fall down is... In the sense of communication with other players being very limited, you'll want to have a party chat open with them to really coordinate anything, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I fail to see how this will work with Monster Hunter Generations X on the Switch, because that doesn't have inbuilt party functions like the PS4 does. You need to download the app and essentially ah. do a phone call to no one to do that. So I don't see it working mm. on any platform other than PS4, which mm. is a shame. Because it is very, 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 very good. And the weapons all feel varied and different. And they handle differently. The weights are different. The build-up times. Each weapon has their own separate little mechanic that goes on top of this gameplay. So, for example, the insect glaive. You have a giant bug on your arm that you can use to hit certain weak points. Which also gives you certain buffs. And also got a cool cool moth fighting alongside you. So, who doesn't love that? Okay. Or, for example, there's the charge sword. Which um, has, like, batteries that... You can kind of charge up for a big explosive right. attack. Okay. So technically, it's really multi-layered, and the story's a bit naff, but it's it's welcome to Giant Island. There be giant monsters. It's right. basically Kong Skull Island, mm-hmm. uh, and it works. And it's a very very technically sound game. It's a lot of fun. And if you just wanted to pick up and just do right, I'm just going to hunt this one monster. I've only got twenty minutes to play. That is possible. But for a game that feels like progression is very, very grindy, it makes no sense to me as to how you can have something that requires hours worth of play to get to a certain point, whilst also still pick up and play just do a mission a day. Mm. Because there are login bonuses, it's treated a little bit like a freemium game in that aspect. So it's hitting... It's very scattershot in its approach, but when the majority of those pellets hit, yeah, I can't really complain. Sound? Okay. Uh... Number four, Far Cry 5. It's fine. <laughs> it's another Far Cry. Maggle. Uh, no, it's... It is another Far Cry. It, they're always lacking the magic of number three because they've taken it... Like, they took out the tower sections and made a joke of it. Mm. Like, and I, I don't know if they're actually in Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I haven't played it yet. Me neither. Apparently, it's like... The people are saying it's the best one yet. Mm. Aren't I... Assassin's Creed 2 and Assassin's Creed 4 may have something to say about that but yeah. I did enjoy Origins so I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt I think that's my birthday game this year mm. um, the 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 kind of lead villain I'd say he's a better than Pagan Min but not as good as um, Vast. Vast from Far Cry 3 he's very interesting and it feels the most relevant of all the Far Cry ones because obviously they're going after the kind of worst case scenario of the Donald Trump uh, apocalypse yeah and it's got a hell of an ending. Good God, is it go all out on the fucking ending, which is going to set up Far Cry uh, New, Dawn. New Dawn. But it just, it's a bit too much muchness. It's still a bit too much of the same thing. Mm. Like, yes, planes are in it, but they're difficult. Um, and But you're still going for the motions of liberate the outpost, drive here, shoot this animal, da 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 Still enjoyable, still a Far Cry game, but if I had played any other two games this year, I'm pretty sure this wouldn't be in the top five. That's fair enough. Uh, my top four goes to my top four. My top four pick uh, is uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu slash ah. Eevee, since they are basically the same game. Right. And this is something I was discussing with you just before we started the podcast. Mm. But 
I'm done with the nostalgia when it comes to certain series, and I'm really done with the nostalgia surrounding the Pokemon franchise. Kanto was more than 20 years ago now, yeah. and whilst I'm happy that we did get an, a really good-looking HD rendition of Kanto, mm-hmm. where the music is excellent, the visuals are outstanding, and it feels like a true revisit to the beginning of our Pokemon journeys, mm-hmm. I'm done with the original 151, and... I'm done with this whole idea that Generation 1 and Kanto was the peak of the series, because frankly, it isn't. No. And, and and Kanto feels emptier compared to other other games. It feels more basic, a bit more straight line, do this, go here, do this, go here. As opposed to, say, the more sprawling attempt that you had at winding paths and intersecting routes that we have in Sun and Moon. Mm-hmm. That's what I really valued and what I really miss from Sun and Moon is just the sense that everything's fresh. Everything is being seen for the first time. But we've had the the Kanto wankery in Sun and Moon as well with all the Alolan forms. Yeah. And yeah, we, we come full circle. We just do... We, we're doing Pokemon Yellow again. That's what we're doing. And whilst it's lovely and it's pretty and fun and cute and wholesome and nostalgic, what it fails to be is outstanding. What it fails to be is a milestone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like Pokemon's been redefined or... Okay. Or in much the same way that Pokemon Crystal was like, holy shit, this can't get better. Yeah. And then obviously it does. I, I'm left wondering what is in store for Gen 8. Because it has to be better than this. What- See, I think now we're well shot of the 20th anniversary, which is why Kanto was so overbearing in um, Sun and Moon, in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Ultra Soon. <laughs> Ultra Soon and... Let's go. And obviously they're trying to pawn off Pokemon Go's popularity. It mm. all makes sense. But these were all have been started when the 20th anniversary was there, all the development cycles. We're now going to see the end of that. Hopefully this is a very clear line of like, right, we gave you the Kanto one that you've been banging on us since the 90s. It's done now. We're over it. We're moving on. Here's Gen 8. I'm still... Apparently they're going to surprise us this year. They said in an announcement on the Pokemon... On the Japanese, Japanese like Pokemon dedicated show, mm. Nintendo hopes to surprise us all with Pokemon in 2019. I don't know what that means. I presume that means we're going to get Gen 8 this, well, next year. Uh, fingers crossed, because that's when I'm going to get the Switch. Um, I'm going to hold on as long as possible. But I think now we're well shot of it. I think it will just be, hopefully they take the Unova approach and say, yeah. right, no old Pokemon, only new, we'll add them at a later point. I forgot how much I really enjoyed Black and White the first time around because mm-hmm. it felt so different and so new and they were tr- clearly trying to sort of like improve yep. their wheelhouse whatever you do do not do a nuzlocke on Pokemon Black 2 or <laughs> right. White 2 for that matter because it's impossible Jesus Christ is it hard <laughs> I got a Realoo as my second say third Pokemon I was like well it's fucking over with lads I'm going to have Superior and Lucario now I just kept getting wiped out by oh, everyone God. I've tried three times and died all three times Jesus. cannot be done um, okay uh, number three bronze medal uh, well, did you number four? Didn't I? Yeah, that's fucker. Uh, number three was Spider-Man for the PS4. Oh. I, I think if I was being a bit more critical, and if I, again, if I'd played more games that would enable me to have a bit of variety in this top three, it may have suffered a little bit because I do think it's like it's a 2010 open world game with a really good Spider-Man dynamic in it, mm. as opposed to being like what Arkham City was. Because that's what everyone wanted. It was Arkham City, but I'm going to Spider-Man. Because the the world of Arkham City, and to a lesser extent Arkham um, 
the Arkham Knight game. I think Arkham City is that you. There's a lot of things in that game you just stumble across randomly because it's a lot tighter map. Obviously, this is the entirety of New York. It'd be harder to do that type of thing. But you come across them organically, and then they become a mission in its own. This is like a really old school version of that, like turn of the cent, like turn of the two thousand tens. Everything's an icon, like a Ubisoft game. Mm. Everything's an icon. It'll tell you exactly where you need to go to do all those missions. They will keep hitting you over the head with side missions that don't feel organic. They just pop up. You don't trigger them in any way. And all the Easter eggs are in there. You can take a photo of, but that's it. So, like, there's still a bit to go for it to be that level of good superhero open-level design, I Mm -hmm. think, that really is the Achilles heel, which points third. But the actual Spider-Manning around is still really enjoyable. It's the best swinging system there ever has been. I like the look. I really like the story. The story's really good from point A to point B. Um, it's, it uses all the... I like all the designs of the villains. I like all the boss fights for the most part. There's not that many, but the ones that there are good. Scorpion one's a bit annoying because they're trying to do a scarecrow thing with him. and it didn't work. Um, I know we didn't get the um, Future Foundation Spider-Man suit, but that's just a personal little slight on my part. I thought, surely we're going to get that in DLC. I'm very happy we've got Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Yes. I haven't downloaded it yet because oh, I'm have. still on, I'm still trying to play did through Red Dead. Did you see the photo I posted of it? Yes, I did. I found the biggest American flag in the game. And yes. With it. I was like, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I hope they put, I hope they get, I know it's kind of, we don't like it anymore, but I hope they get the Andrew Garfield one in there as well, yeah. just for completionist sake. Um, I am very excited for a sequel. I think it leaves a lot of things open for a sequel, like all the stuff with Harry Osborn and all the stuff with Venom at the end. It leaves all that stuff open for, for a really good sequel, hopefully. Mm. I meant to check. You have finished Spider-Man, right? Yes. Okay, good. <gasps> um, sorry, I've just spoiled that for anybody. <laughs> Whoops-a-doodle. Um, I'm, I'm really excited for where it can go. I feel this is like the Assassin's Creed one of the piece. Much better than Assassin's Creed because that was, wasn't much of a good game. But it's like all the pieces are here. It just now needs better execution the second time around to be a truly fucking great Spider-Man game. More on that later. Oh, okay. Um, but my number three is, and we were playing it a little bit earlier yes. on before this episode, is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. And the first time I have ever been good at Smash Brothers. I mean, we did a best um, three out of five. And I got you down to the last match. But yeah, you're Cloud annihilating my Pikachu, so... Yeah, that which is a sentence we get to say. It is, it is. The Nintendo's crossover fighter has been, you know, it, it has been the thing that people look forward to, the thing that people mm. love to speculate and predict about what's coming up. And Smash Bros. Ultimate gave us the biggest possible roster that the game has ever had. It includes every single fight that's ever been a part of the series. Yep. Whilst including newcomers. Um, we're not even done with the newcomers yet. We're getting an additional fighter if you've oh, bought the game early. I bet you jizzed your little pants when they did the Persona thing, didn't they? <sighs> oh, little Michael probably squeed all the way home I when he heard about that. I fucking love Persona 5, so the fact I that we get do. a Persona... Ra- it made a lot of sense. Um... I would love to talk about my uh, predictions for the uh, upcoming Fighters Pass, but I'll leave that aside so I can review the game. Nice. Um, so it's it's like everyone seems to bang on about Melee being the best uh, Smash Brothers game. and It's good, it's fine, and Brawl is fine and good, and mm. the last one is fine and good, 
this one feels really good. Yeah. This one feels like the characters are all pretty accessible. Even the heavier characters have sped up a little bit. There's been an emphasis on making the matches quicker, making the action more immediate, and that is for the better. Mm-hmm. In a year where Street Fighter can't get Street Fighter right, no. it's good to see that Smash Brothers is getting its own formula nearly 100% correct. Yeah, because fighting games have been not great recently. I mean, Tekken 7, Jesus, mm. fuck. Now, I have heard good things about Soul Calibur 6, which I never thought we'd see the light of day of. All I've seen from Soul Calibur 6 is the giant dick you can make. Yeah. <laughs> and someone made a Magikarp as well. Yeah. It's, that's all I've seen from that. It's I just know it's comedy. You can make anything you want. We've got Geralt from uh, The Witcher. <laughs> yeah. Giant penis is all we care about. <laughs> Did you see? Oh, I've got to show you the video of the guy who made Thanos. In, oh, wow. And um, there's like an animation where he does the, does the snap. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm showing you that later on. Okay. Um, but Smash Brothers, though, um, the adventure mode, it's not as cool as Subspace Emissary. Mm. And I don't think anything really will be. That's the one no. that really felt like it was a grand yeah. crossover Nintendo adventure. What this is, is it's a big map and it is the best opportunity you can have to get used to being good at Smash Brothers. Right. Because you start out with Kirby... And I can't get behind Kirby. He's a bit floaty, he's a bit light, and he doesn't really have any weight to his attacks. But you know, you have the options to unlock other characters. Like you can, you have to go and get Mario because Nintendo will be damned if it's not going to shove Mario yeah, yeah. in your throat. But then it's like, okay, you could unlock Marth, Sheik, or Villager. I think it was. Right. And I went down the Marth route, and I'm like, okay, now I'm getting better at sword characters. Then Simon Belmont comes into it. Yeah. Oh God, Simon Belmont's my second favorite character. Okay. But I didn't buy the DLC for the Wii U version. So this is the first time I'm playing as, like, Cloud and Bayonetta. Ah, right, okay. Fucking hell, they're good. God, Mewtwo's shite. Mewtwo wasn't good, was he? Uh, I forgot that, it, like, he's only got one move. <laughs> yeah. All the rest of them are tricksy. Yeah. And I didn't do well with Link, but I was getting my eye in. I did well with Pikachu and Rob. I got you with my boy Rob. You did. The, the way that the characters have been overhauled is really good. So, mm. like, everything just feels punchier. like Tighter. Yeah. Donkey Kong's final smash, for example, is no longer that stupid bongos nonsense. Oh, yeah. It's just it's a flurry of punches. I'm just going to beat the piss out of you yeah. and see what happens. Everything just is snappier. And the, the spirit system works quite nicely. Mm. And obviously is a nod to those who didn't get included in the series or may may be coming up in the series. We're not entirely sure how spirits factor into the inclusion. Selections, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, and all the other training modes that you love are there. And there's a couple of like stuff like the classic mode. That still stays. Smash board, eight player smash. They took target smash out, didn't they? Target smash. Yeah, I think that's gone. Aww. So like some of the fun little gimmicky modes have gone. But what they have done is focused on the core mechanics of the game. Okay. It feels less of a port of Smash 4. It feels more like a complete... Dare I say it, ultimate version Ooh-hoo. of Smash Bros. You're getting on that box art, babe. Okay, uh, number two surprised me in that I thought it would be number one. Mm. But Red Dead Redemption 2... Also my number two. Okay, good. Has some problems, I think. I think the ultra-realism of the game is phenomenal, but sometimes overbearing. And I think, yeah, it's, it's already had a task on its hands because it's been compared to its perfect... Easily one of my top five favourite games of all time, yeah. predecessor. And I just... <laughs> do you do the same as me, that any mission that involves John Marston becomes a number one priority? <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. John needs me. That being said, John's not my favourite character in the game. Um, Is he not? He's not. Like, he's. it's because it's it's quite a juvenile John Marston. Mm. They've really made it 
feel distinctly different from Red Dead Redemption 1 because John Marston's not there yet. He's yeah. not fully developed. What you do get is a lot of time with your player character, Arthur Morgan, who is great. He is. And a host of new characters, uh, including all the bad guys from the first game who are never yeah. mates. Yeah. Uh, and new characters like Lenny, who's amazing. Yeah. Um, Hosea, who's a great yeah. character. And Micah, then- who can... Micah can fuck off oh, but belly. he's effective because yeah. I fucking hate him Yeah, he's not just like oh I can't be bothered I'm like a Micah machine comes up and I'm, like, I'm actively yeah. not going to enjoy this everyone thinks Bill Williamson is an idiot so I'm, I'm all on board with that yeah. um, it's just yeah. there's a few things that hold it back and I think I'll get them out of the way first so like the core system yeah it's just anti-fun mm. it's like I don't want to be thinking about like oh no my dead eye core is dropping it should it's just it feels like even when you level up, your dead eye just shoots straight down. I know they don't want you to be leaning on it, but it's like the USP of the series is the mm. dead eye system. I want to be using it as much as possible um, instead of just using it very occasionally. And then when I really need it, oh, nothing that can just fuck right off. How many missions I've gone into, I don't know, where I'm like, right, I'm ready for a big fight and I've only got my pistols because I forgot to load up from the horse. Yep. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Although that being said, they at least make the gunplay feel very, very satisfying. Yeah, when you get when it's working, this thing when all the systems are working in tandem, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's a rock star game, but it's these little, little annoyances that the first game just didn't have, or at least if it did, I forgot through rose tinted glasses. But like the hunting is a lot harder. Yeah, the hunt. You need to set a day aside if you're going hunting. Yeah, which is really not good. Because it's like, I know it's a bit arcadey to be like, this is where the cheetahs, this is where the um, cougars are, this is where the buffalo are, etc. I've been trying to hunt cougars for, I've had it now, what, two months? Not near on three months. I've seen two cougars. And you've got to kill five of them with a bow and arrow to get the trophy. Yeah. I have only just discovered that, that, that looking at the animals through your spyglass thing mm. can determine what kind of pelt they have. Yeah. I'm only just finding that out. That They've not conveyed no. that well at I all. I didn't know that. So I was like, why am I keep getting like these piss poor pelts when I need perfect ones? Meanwhile, I think I hit a bear with a horse and got a perfect pelt. So what the fuck is going on? It's like, okay. I don't know how that happened. Rabbits. I was like, right, I've got my bow and arrow. I'll shoot the rabbit and therefore have a perfect pelt. Mm. No, you've got to use small game arrows. Okay, we'll construct a small game arrow, shoot the rabbit from point blank range, the rabbit's fine and runs off. I have to track it. Mm. Turns out you need to go get the varmint rifle, which is use them to shoot small animals, and even then you've got to find the three-star one, which doesn't spawn a lot. I spent two hours of my life looking for three-star rabbits so I could do this challenge. Little things like that mean that it's, I think it's replayability after you finish the storyline is going to be hampered because it's just not... a th- as fun a world to be in as the old one used to be but I'm liking the story the story's phenomenal I can't knock the story it's not as I felt it's it's meandering a little bit like most of the missions I'm like I don't really feel what this is adding to the main driving plot of the Dutch Vandaling gang it mm. just feels like not busy work necessarily because it's kind of tied in but it feels like it's just not whereas Red Dead Redemption had a very linear like right we need to kill Bill Williamson. We need to go and kill um, the Mexican dude. Javier Escuela. Javier Escuela. Then we need to go and find Dutch. Dun, dun, dun. And you're off. Whereas this is like, well, we kind of need to go rob a bank, but um, we could do all we got to do. All we got to do that. And then you're messing with these two families and it's all a bit confusing. That's what's keeping this off the top spot for me. Now, how far... In, I tell you, you haven't reached the end of the story no. yet. No, me neither. Now, it's, the problem with that is that it is a very, very long game. 
Yes. And I have my gaming time has been cut down, obviously, because now I'm leaving the house uh, with the girlfriend and can't just sneak off to the room for eight-hour gaming sessions every day. Yep. So it's been cut down. So I feel like I'm making snail pace progression. Mm. Um, have you finished the storyline? I've not, no. Uh, I have now got to Saint Denis. Oh, Saint Denis, yeah. That's a great point in the game. That's where I am. Um, I, I think I'm about to leave Saint Denis. Oh, wait, no. Have you been to an island? No. Oh, okay. I have heard about that section of the game, though. I've just Apparently, done it's an section. annoying section of the it game. It is indeed a very annoying part of the game. <laughs> it doesn't last too long. I, I got it done in one. I think it took me about two hours to get that bit done. I just think, but the thing is, even though we have all these complaints about Red Dead Redemption Two, where it shines is just the moment-to-moment gameplay. The, oh yeah, the going across the massive open vista of the world and finding somebody whose horse has killed over and taking them back to their town, only for that to be. You know, you've, you then come across a relative of somebody who you've killed who wants revenge. Yeah. Everything feels... Organic. Organic, yeah. And I don't want to do the whole the video game journal staple of it makes you feel like a cowboy. But what it what I feel like is I am inhabiting an actual world. Yeah. I am a part of a version of America. Mm-hmm. And they've done that with enough variation between the towns and locations and enough variation in the stories and missions as well yeah it does feel like a full and complete experience i think a lesser studio trying to do this game it would have fell apart it'd be a mess it would it's rockstar have had to pull this together and like i said it's not the best game this year because i think there was a, a truer vision that was achieved for number one but i'm still playing it i'm still two months in i haven't bought enough video games since because i'm like no this is this is my job now is to finish this game and hopefully get. I hope I know what the ending is because I'm getting quite excited about the possibility of what the ending could be. Um, but I think I'm still like three months away from that. Shit, yeah, so there we are. But it is a very, very well crafted experience, and one I think you'd be frankly stupid to overlook. Exactly. Um, right. Speaking of my number one, if mm-hmm. I may, Michael, um, I was very worried about this game. Because they were taking a lot of things and changing a lot of things about the core gameplay, mm-hmm. about the story setting, about all the character dynamics. But thankfully, God of War is freaking awesome. Nice. So, so good. And there was no need to worry. I think like one of the things I really like about it is actually the restraint it shows. Mm. And it's, it's picked its new direction. The the gameplay has changed. It's less arcadey. Like there's thousands of enemies, and you've got all these weapons trying to attack them. That's not the strength, I would say. The combat is still very good. It's a very satisfying weapon, the uh, the Leviathan axe, mm. um, and and you do get other weapons throughout the game. But this thing that all the items you pick up, unlike previous God of War games, you actually feel like are quite beneficial to you. Um, so the magic stuff you can pick up, the other weapons you can pick up, all feel organic to the storyline and are quite fun to use so you're not just sticking with the Leviathan axe even though it's probably still the best weapon um, they've changed it from a very linear um, video game to essentially an open world game um, there's you can basically go through half of the nine realms some are just shut off and I thought they were going to do DLC apparently now they're just saving that for the sequel oh, okay. like you don't get to go to um Oh my god, you don't get to go to Asgard. Mm. Uh, you don't get to go to some of the other ones. You're stuck mainly on... Um, what are we called again? Oh, Midgard. Midgard. Yeah, you get to go there. You get to go to the place where the elves are, etc. Um, it's the storyline that really pulls it through. It's it's a very simple 
thing. They're going to uh, the top of the mountain to um, scatter the ashes of um, Kratos' wife and uh, Traeus' mom. And then a lot of things happen in between. Um, but it's just so good. And it's I, I'm, I know it's a bit sad they've changed the voice actor for Kratos, mm. but the new guy does such a good job. Really, really does. You don't. It's not too jarring a difference. Either. He still sounds big and gruff and tough. Is it a jumping on point? Do you think? Do you think new fans could enjoy this as much as old fans? I think so. There's not a lot. Like they keep making like some people like I know who you are. Uh, all the like the the Norse gods you interact with. Most of them are like I know who you are. Uh, but they there's only really one or two points where it, actually knowing previous games. Helps. I think it does enough to kind of explain it away. Plus, gives you a lot of new things that you can. I mean, basically, what you need to know is that Kratos is super strong, and he maybe used to be a Greek god. Except they're all dead now, and he killed them all, but it didn't end the world. They don't really go into how that's a thing, um, but they. It's a really good story. It's got good twists throughout. Like I said, the restraint. This is a bit of a spoiler, but you don't see Odin. You don't see Thor. You don't see anybody else, really. You're dealing with, like, Boulder and Thor's kids and stuff like that. Mm. But it didn't feel any less of a game because of that. Um, it's a good take on Norse mythology, I think. Um, I mean, I'm a bit limited. I know a lot about Greek mythology. I know only what Thor has bothered to tell me about <laughs> Norse mythology, really. And it sets itself up for a lot of sequels. Like, there's one scene in particular where you're like, Oh, God, we can do any religion we fucking please, because apparently they're all here. Nice. Cool. Um, so that. I cannot wait for part two. It's coming. They've said, yeah, it did well. Oh, did you see them when uh, Corey Balrog saw the first reviews come out? He like, yeah. live-streamed when all the reviews went off, and they all got, like, he's obviously got tens. It yeah. was Ty Dillinger across the board, so it was ten, 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 ten. <laughs> and he starts crying. He's like, oh, thank you so much. I was like, oh, bless him. Yeah, because yeah. they clearly care about the game. Yeah. Very, very much so. They've put a lot of care and attention. Because he said he didn't want to do another one unless they had a really good idea and they had a really good purpose for doing it other than we just want to make some money. Because mm. they could have done whatever they want. Like Rocksteady have got this problem at the minute where it's like, well, we've made one very important series. We can either choose to do another one if we know there's a very important thing to do or we've got to find a new identity. And I think Santa Monica Studios were in the same place. They hadn't mm. done anything since. I mean, God of War Ascension getting the lukewarm reception it did might have made them think, right, we've got to be absolutely fucking sure we've got a winner on our hands. Mm. And they did, and that's why it's my number one game of the year. Fair enough. Now, you've already mentioned my number one game of the year, Darren. You're just on a Spider-Man hype, aren't you? Oh, my God. This is the best year for Spider-Man. I'm just going to say it. Right? This is like... And he died in the middle of it, so... Good job. His inclusion (laughs) is Infinity War, Into the Spider-Verse, and now my game of the year was Spider-Man on PlayStation 4. Mm. Just want to point out, just want to point out, both of our uh, top one, number one choices are PlayStation 4 exclusives. So they've been knocking it at the fucking park with that I mean, even last year, that was on the back of Horizon Zero Dawn um, and other things that I forgot to mention. Other things that weren't Horizon Zero Dawn. And next year we've apparently got uh, is it no? No, there are no dates on. No, but we we're probably going to get Last of Us two at some point. You got to think that's good. Well, we've got no E three or, or PSX next year, so we're going to be in the fucking dark for a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they might switch to like a Nintendo Direct type of deal. That make a make and a do sense. their own in house stuff. Hey, it works for Nintendo, so yeah. Uh, yeah you've still got Last of Us two to come. I feel as others we're forgetting. Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, that was good. That was good. So it's still going to be a good year. But yep, carry on, Michael. So Spider Man PS PS four is. 
I am going to say it, the definitive Spider-Man game. Yep. I don't think there is a single Spider-Man game, even Spider-Man 2, that is better than this. And I knew that from the very, very start of the game, when the mm. dynamic music matches with the action you're doing. Yeah. And fit, swinging through the streets just is the most mechanically sound thing in the game. There's a yeah. sense of speed, a sense of weight. Even the combat, whilst not as weighty as Arkham, at least feels more acrobatic and more trick-focused. Now, you do have that arsenal of other weapons you can use, but the pure web abilities are where it's fucking at. Oh, God, yeah. So, like, the web grenades and the web blossom, um, the ability to jump in the air of your own accord, pull someone towards you, whack them down onto other people, and then the finishing moves are so satisfying. And, yeah, I want it to be said that Yuri Lowenthal gives the best Spider-Man voice performance. I like That's the fact counting Spider Verse. I like the fact he's married to the person who voices um, Yuri Watanabe, uh, the police captain. So he's calling his wife his own name. Yep, which is a bit confusing, but yeah, he does a really good job. He's a really, really good job. And again, the story, much like in God of War, really pulls Spider Man through. There is that whole thing of he's been Spider Man a while, but it's still somewhat early on in his career. Um, you get the reinvention of the suit with the white spider and they make that a story beat and it does feel natural. They give him a fantastic relationship with um, Dr. Octopus mm-hmm. that is really only realised, like fully, like you know where it's going and you yeah. really don't want it to go there because you're actually empathising with Dr. Octopus. Yeah, I know. And then it does do the big heel turn and it feels natural, it feels right. The boss battles... There aren't enough of them, but the ones that are in there are good. Yeah, I agree. And I really wish they were a bit more paced out. The third act does suffer from changing the world a bit too much and adding... Yeah. Not, and like you said, the the side missions aren't found organically like no. in Arkham. I mean, mm. I'm still, still reading from Mamba and Hush. Yeah, exactly. But it just has a habit of going, right, we've entered this next part of the game. Here's fucking load of new stuff to do, mm. which would be bad in a lesser game. But in a game where it feels good to cut about the city and stop a random robbery and point at a few civilians, change your suit and off you go, everything gels together so well. And I've never been so obsessive about time trials in a long long time. But the stealth ones and the bomb ones. Oh, Taskmaster stuff. Taskmaster's in a video game. Taskmaster's fight. was Yeah, Taskmaster, that was an organic one. But that felt like the only one, which made Taskmaster feel really good. Mm. And his end fight, it was a bit annoying, but... Yeah, but I no. feel like, again, there's someone they're saving for, like, late. Oh, if this doesn't get a sequel, something's going wrong. Oh, have you heard what they might be playing for the next Batman game? What's that? They're doing Court of Elves. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, if all the talent fights are like the Deathstroke fight. Oh, <laughs> oh it is the people that did Origins. Mm. But I think Origins is unfairly maligned sometimes. It's because it's, it's not Rocksteady. Yeah, yeah, but I'm glad Rocksteady moving on. Whereas now, I am 100% okay with Insomniac handling Spider-Man going forward. Absolutely. Do you think the Mary Jane sections are a slight chore? And the the Miles stealth stuff. Yeah, I appreciate their storyline relevance, but I don't want to say, like, oh, good players, Mary Jane. But I'm not swinging about and doing cool stuff. I'm just awkwardly sneaking around and then trying not to get caught by the big strong people until Spider-Man does it. There is that really good one in Grand Central Station. That's great. Where you can, like, Spider-Man's above you, and you can, like, right, where about the guy? Bermuda's that guy. And that's really good. Yeah. But they were a bit of a chore. I think that's what really... There's nothing like that in 
either God of War or Red Dead, I feel like really grinds the game to a complete halt. Mm. Which is why I think I gave it bronze. But no, I understand it's a very, very good game. Yeah, and like I say, absolutely the definitive Spider-Man experience when it comes to video games. Nothing handles like this. Right, so from video games, we'll move on to other subjects. I feel like it's best to round off with TV, because we can actually both talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I've, I, I like doing my music lists, and this year was a little harder than normal. Um, mm-hmm. But... But I do have a top five albums and a top five songs that I can delve into a little bit. I chuck mine out there real quick. Do it. I only have two songs. Go. Gerard Way is back to doing singles. Oh. Um, Two of them are utter horseshit. Mm. Getting Down With The Germs is a nothing. Mm. As was, I think it was Prancer, possibly Dasher. One of the reindeers. He gave a reindeer a song. It wasn't even about Christmas. Um, But Baby You're A Haunted House. It's like... Like, he's almost parodying himself in his My Chemical Romance days, but it's incredibly catchy. He's got a very weird video that's like like a Russian propaganda movie with people dressed up as skeletons singing his song, mm. which is very catchy. And Song of the Year is easy. It's easily This Is America by uh, Charles, Charles Gambino slash... I forgot his real name. Um, Donald Glover. <laughs> Donald Glover. Don Glover. Yeah, oh my God. He's like, the second I heard it, I was like, well, nothing's beaten that this year. <laughs> um, so that's my two cents. Fair enough. I actually don't have um, This Is America in my, in my top oh, tracks. What? Annoyingly. It's because like, it's great, but it's a trap song. Yeah. And like, and I'm not that big on trap, but I do you love the hell out of Don Glover. Yeah. Don Glover. Don Glover. I never get all of saying it. Um, so I'm just going to quickly zip up my top five tracks. So at number five, we have uh, Panic at the Disco. Um Who have really turned a heel in my books. Like, I used to really not be okay with them. They're back? They, well, he is back. Oh. Uh, it's just Brendan Urie now. Everyone else has left the band. Oh, right. But it is for the betterment of the music. The last three albums have been uh, ranging from pretty good to one of the best things I've ever heard. Okay. Their last album was absolutely phenomenal. And whilst their album from this year doesn't make my top five albums because there's a lot of not that great tracks on there, um, the B-side to the main single, which then got released in a single its own right due to popularity, mm. uh, Fuck a Silver Lining... Uh, is a great album opener. Okay. It really takes the the sort of the uh, uh, Mercury Sinatra style showmanship and puts it into a big uh, sort of bombastic pop okay. rock tune. I really like it. And number four, we have uh, Welcome to the Family by Watsky. Um, it's a rapper I've been following for years and years and years mm-hmm. now. Uh, stuff's just getting better and better. He has a new album on the way, uh, but it's only nine tracks, but it's... It's supposed to be like a really deep personal album, right, okay. and you hear it in this. It's you know, it's a it's a song about the fam his family and his life expanding and opening up all his quirks to other people, right. and you know, it's a song about it's a song about difficult togetherness, mm. which is I think we've all got parts of that that resonate within our yeah. lives. And number three, surprise me, because um, I've only got into him this year, mm. is Jack White. Um, previously of the White Stripes and several other bands. Yeah. Uh, whilst I didn't really enjoy his full album, Boarding House Reach, the first single over and over and over is the closest we get to a classic stri- White Stripes song. Okay. And he's all the better for it. I saw him live this year as well. He's a true showman. He's Sick. really, really, really good. And number two, because there has to be a Japanese entry in the list, mm. um, is the intro from uh, the third season of My Hero Academia. It's uh, Odd Future by Uverworld, which is... It's a fusion of a bunch of different styles that you don't think are really going to work together. There's mm-hmm. dance sections, there's dubstep sections, there's rock sections. And it it feels new. It feels like 
an actual turning point when it comes to music production in terms of certainly what you hear coming out of Japan, which tends to be quite much of a muchness. Like yeah. all the rock sounds the same, all the pop sounds the same. Odd World's um, Odd World, not Odd World. Odd Future is doing something at least different by mixing styles that you may not have heard from international artists. And my number one pick for song of the year is uh, Yeah Right by Joji. I lied. I love trap. I don't. Oh, I but don't. this song's like a really, really somber, slow uh, trap song that is about the facade of living an extravagant life in order to please people that you will never meet again. Right. So it's this whole kind of thing like, you know, I am, I am utterly depressed and my life's falling apart, but, you know, I've got a nice watch this girl's into me. That whole right. kind of okay. criticism of the rap culture. There's this whole thing of like this counterculture rap thing with Joji, Post Malone, Rich Brian. Right. That I'm really getting behind. I'm really, really into it. It's surprising that I don't have a single rock or metal song on the top five list. It's like pop rock, rap, indie rock, Japanese and and rap again. Proud of you. Yeah. You want to bomb through those albums? Uh, in a second, but the, I do have a worst pick for, oh, for worst song, and um, kind of also melds into a pick for worst album. Yeah, I do have another pick for that. Um, I am sick of the Greatest Showman. Oh. I want it to die now, and none more so than in equal footing the title track mm. that everybody seems to really bum off, and this and this is me, which is really wanting to be this big anthem yeah. for you know people who feel different, but it's. It's so plain and it's so vanilla. It has become the the absolute epitome of basic bitch in music. Anybody who vaguely says they're into musicals seems to really love The Greatest Show. Yeah, I know this full well. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, oh, course. it's such a bad movie. It's just like I know that P.T. Barnum's like the worst. So yeah, like in and real they... life, he's a Rick. They really wash over all the. Uh, oh, I can imagine. All the stuff. Yeah, I didn't imagine it'd be hard for Hugh Jackman to beat the shit out of a rhino. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's it's the tone with which they, they take, and it, you know what really annoys me is that that movie was meant to have licensed music in it, oh. which is why all the songs sound so similar to things right. you might have enjoyed before. Okay, it's imitation by design, and it is the absolute death of originality. It's so. So engineered. Don't hold back, Mike. We'll tell you how you really I feel. I fucking hate The Greatest Showman. So I'll quickly rattle through albums, shall I? Yeah. Great. I was, I wasn't, I was like, maybe he's going to put Greatest Showman on his top ten, because he didn't like La La Land. I realise yeah. I've just swore at you there. Yep, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Fuck you. Right, albums. Rattle through really quickly. Number five. It was difficult to find number five, but I settled on uh, Biffy Claro's latest live album, because it's Biffy Claro. I uh... am that biased. Had a new song on it, though. Looking forward to their movie next year. Oh, there's a movie. This is why I didn't do them for my my um, jukebox mu- uh, musical pitch, because they have a movie coming out. Coming soon to Fairland Entertainment. Yes. Um, number four, it's Joji's Ballads 1. All the singles are fucking phenomenal. Mm-hmm. The last three or four tracks are a bit homogenous, which is a bit of a shame. But all of the singles are top fucking notch. Number three, uh, Cool Patrol by Ninja Sex Party. I've loved this, I've loved this band for years. <laughs> Great comedy rock. I implore uh, you to listen to, um, I think it's like Call of the Mermaid or something like that. Good and God. it's about, like, <laughs> it's like being really awkward whilst trying to seduce a siren. And he just throws pizza everywhere. It's great. 
I'll show you later. Oh, we're going down a rabbit hole. Yeah, no. Number two, uh, We Are Scientists new release. Uh, you remember We Are Scientists? Vaguely. Some people do. Uh, <laughs> their newest album just got released to absolutely no fanfare, but it's genuinely one of their best. Okay. And Love uh, Heart is a Weapon is... It's the lead single. It's really good, but for my money, it's Your Light Has Changed. It's the best song. It mm-hmm. feels like a really like a building rock song, which I really appreciate. And at number one, uh, it came in February, and I, that's where I saw them live. Uh, it's Don Broco with Technology, which, in terms of like just old school dirty rock, mm. beautiful album. Really, really liking it. I didn't listen to a single album this year. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, um, and. Dishonourable mention to Hailstorm's new album because it's shit. There we go. Real quick, I have seen musicals this year. Mm. Uh, I went to see... <laughs> You've got into them now. I have. I'm a musical connoisseur. Uh, I must admit, it's the two I really wanted to go and see. So I saw Book of Mormon, finally. Oh, God. I still haven't seen Book oh, of Mormon. Oh, Michael. Michael, it's so good. Have you, know, you heard the same track? I've, I I know bits. I've heard... Uh, was it Hassa... Um, Hassa Diva, Evil Eye. Yeah. Oh, it's... It's really good. It's going to be a film at some point. Mm. I'm I'm surprised they didn't rush it so that because Josh Gad originally there's a there's a role in it you like the second someone tells you that was originally Josh Gad's in part, the in the Broadway version yeah, yeah. you're like that makes sense and I'm surprised they haven't rushed it so he doesn't age out of the part yeah because yeah it's him the guy doing it when we saw it, it was really good but he's just doing a Josh Gad impression mm. um, really funny all the way out. I think sometimes it goes too much for the because it is South Park it goes too much for the shock. But um, some of the lines, like you can't sing this song, like any of these songs, when you're walking around because you're just going to get the weirdest look. <laughs> Justice Smith, magical magic. Oh, <laughs> I forgot the line. Damn it. Um, right, I just know that there's a character called General, but fucking naked. Yes, which I appreciate. <laughs> oh, that's it's Justice Smith, magical clitoris man. Um, <laughs> And it's, it is just, it's the musical version of the Mormon episode of Save Park. That's awesome. Before we realise. But it has still got a very nice message at the end of it, so it's cool. Um, what was the other one I watched? I've just watched it. Oh, I watched Bad Out of the Hell, the musical. Mm. Fuck yes. Oh my God. Like, Meatloaf is not easy to sing. Meatloaf himself can't sing Meatloaf anymore because he's half dead. But, oh, the story is pointless. Mm. It's, a, it's a framing device, like most musicals uh, are these days, just to get the songs out. But, Oh, good God, they got some good singers in that. There's this one guy. He's not even the main character. He's like the, the side love story. Mm. Uh, and he gets two out of three eight bad. Um, and oh, my God, he nails it. It's ridiculous how good he is. Mm. Um, so go check those out. And this has sparked such an interest in Darren's love of musicals that we're, we're going to be pitching a, a jukebox musical movie. We are. On our next pitching I'm test. so excited. I'm, I'm really worried we may have picked the same person. I don't think we have. Well, you you said person, so immediately we're all. Well, no, mine's a band. Oh, mine's a band, sort of. Uh, We've talked about them earlier, but well, uh, I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, okay. So, uh, oh, real quick, sport. Uh, football, we got relegated, but we're winning now in the championship, so that's fine. We're third, yay. Um, <laughs> that's, that's Albion, for no, those right, who are long Java. listeners. I forgot to point that out, yes. Um, but uh, back into wrestling now, we had the year-long hiatus, we're back now. Um, been some very good stuff. The women's revolution is now actually a thing. And so not just has, it, has it improved in the 12 months you weren't watching it? Uh, yes and no. Um, I'm now, because I don't have Scott Sports, I'm not watching Raw and Smackdown, mm. which is five hours of my life I get every week. Um, so that's apparent. They're both in the toilet at the minute. But I'm watching the big shows. The, the wrestling is really good. Daniel Bryan is WWE champion again, my boy. He's back. It's a miracle. 
Um, it's the only thing I can remember from the Tomb Raider movie. <laughs> don't remember what actually happened in Tomb Raider, but I remember I got a text. My phone tried to burrow through my pocket, and I thought it was the nerds, or I thought someone's dying, and I was like, oh, Daniel Bryan's back. Like, he was retired. His brain was fucked. But now it's like Rocky Balboa. It's no longer <laughs> fucked. Um, and he's the WWE champion, and he's now a heel vegan. Like, so he's a bad... What? He's a bad guy, but he's thinking he's like ultra environmentalist. So like, it's exactly how he was characterised in the wrestling days of wrestling. Yes, Jesus exactly Christ. that. But now he's gone the other way, and it's it's amazing because he's just like he's replaced the lever in the WWE Championship with a vegan alternative, <laughs> and he just comes out there and just shouts at everybody like, "You're using plastic puddles, you're murdering the earth." It's working so well. Like, everyone was so happy he's back and now he's the best heel. I'm just going to give you a few matches. I'll give you my top five for the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Both Rumble matches were good this year at the start of the year. They had the first ever women's one because they've had this women's revolution for a few years, but it hasn't really happened. Uh, But now they're having, like, they had the first ever women's TLC match uh, a few weeks ago. That was really good. Go watch that. Uh, First Rumble. There's a chance they're going to main event WrestleMania with a women's match this year. Which is unfathomable, even like great. three years ago. It's going to be because they've got Ronda Rousey now from UFC. Yeah, she's all. unbeaten as champion. Shit. And Becky Lynch. Is she good though. She's she's much 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 better than she has any right to be hmm. because she's only been doing this like she started this year. She debuted at the Rumble as like she just came out. She didn't wrestle until WrestleMania, but she had the best match at WrestleMania. It was her and Kurt Angle. Uh, versus Triple H and Steph and it was just like a car crash but it was a fucking spectacular car crash hmm. um, and it's really good because she's like not lost her edge from UFC so she's just wailing on people <laughs> like she'll literally just get in there and just judo slam a bitch and then just put her in an arm <laughs> it's really like it's not refined you're not watching a technical classic, but it's just fun just to watch a wallet people. Just a berserker, essentially. Oh, God, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, and Becky Lynch who's like this Irish woman they, they try to keep her down she's basically the new Irish ginger Daniel Bryan, um, and she's now the biggest baby face in the company. So they're thinking this is if they're ever going to do it, they've got the two hottest people in the company happen to be women. Is this the one who's the man? Is that yes, it? yeah. She started calling herself the man, which is fucking next level genius. <laughs> um, and people are so annoyed at her, including Ronda Ray. like, you should be proud to be a woman. She's like, no, because I'm the man. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, so she was in um, the women's TLC match. Go watch that. Uh, she's also had the best women's match of the year against Charlotte Flair at Evolution, which was the all-women pay-per-view. Uh, go watch Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles at TLC as well. That was a really, really good match. But where's my boy Shinsuke? What's happened to Shinsuke? Shinsuke hasn't had a great year. He won the Rumble. Mm. He won the Rumble fair and square and he, that's why the Rumble match was amazing because it came down to him and Roman mm. and we're not allowed to hate on Roman Reigns anymore because he got leukaemia. Yeah, not cool. So, not great. But What's everyone, his name? Like Joe something? Uh, Joe Anawahi. Mm. Um, that's a shame. I know, it is. And he had to relinquish the title. But he, he, was, he was gearing up to be a new Cena essentially, wasn't he? He already was. Uh-huh. But that's the problem. But now, he's already had leukaemia and we're all no, the best in the world. When he comes back, because he will, he's like in the best shape he could possibly be. Mm. When he comes back, biggest baby face in the universe. All yeah. that kind of, oh, fuck off, Roman. That's gone now. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, he's alive. It'll be the same as like the reinvention of Cena, I imagine. Absolutely. He's yeah. going to be so over it. It's ridiculous. Um, so it was him and Roman in the last two, and everyone was like, oh, God, it's Roman again. But Shinsuke just kicked the shit out of him. It was great. <laughs> um, and then he just kind of, he lost to AJ at WrestleMania. He turned heel. His thing was that he kicked people in the dick, which was <laughs> really fun. <laughs> <laughs> he would just every match with AJ Styles he would just punch him in the dick 
to the point where it kind of the last match they both punted each other yeah <laughs> and then Daniel Bryan won the title by kicking AJ <laughs> So AJ Styles is just, you know you see those monks just getting kicked in the balls? That's AJ Styles next year. He's like, ah! Um, he's going to become dick type, so he can become immune to it. Um, that. Um, so he's not had a great year. He was US champion for a while, but he's just lost it. Um, what you want to be watching, though, they have launched NXT UK, which is actually really bad for the NXT independent scene because now the big, the big corporations moved in. Yeah. And originally they were like, Guys, we're going to get along with everybody. You can still go work all the independent dates. Now they're like, no, you are errors and you are not to wrestle on anybody other than error approved shows. So, bad. Um, but it's been fine so far. It's had good matches, but it's not great. What you want to be watching is NXT, which is back to its thunderous best. And the trilogy of matches they've had so far between a guy called Johnny Gagano and a guy called Tommaso Ciampa is the best long-term storytelling they've done for the last 10 years. Mm. It's amazing. So they were a tag team. Tommaso Ciampa is a arsehole he broke they broke the tag team up uh they both were injured so they had some time to sit on it gagano came back had a fantastic match in january that champa ruined at the end uh he lost he was gonna get the title lost it uh they had a match the best match of the year was in uh takeover new orleans just before wrestlemania um gagano won it was a street fight it was fucking amazing he tried to redeem at the end but champa went back on his old rage got pinned then they had Johnny Gagano take something called the um, Red Viper loss, as I like to call it. Um, I've completely forgot what his actual character name is. Oh no! Oh god, it's from Game of Thrones! Um, one sec. Hey G, what's the Red Viper's name in Game of Thrones? Martell. Aubrey Martell, thank you. He took the Aubrey Martell loss at TakeOver, <laughs> that he was so determined to destroy Champa that Champa used it to his advantage and beat him. It was amazing. Then Gagano went kind of heel because he went a bit mental trying to beat Champa. They had a third match. It was the lesser of the three. So they, well, they used to be a tag team. They were a tag team. Were they that team. one where it's like, it's a big guy and a small guy who does all the talking? Or no, 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 no. They, they were... I must point out, I know nothing about wrestling. If I was ever going to get you into wrestling properly, yeah. you would love this because it's so layered. Like Usually wrestling storylines are quite like simple. Mm. This has got so many moving parts. To the point I'm not actually enjoying it at the moment, but I don't think I'm meant to be. Mm. Because they had a third match. It's the lesser one. But again, Gagano cost himself. He then went mental and attacked a guy called Alistair Black. He knocked him out. There was an attack. Who attacked Alistair Black? Mm. Turns out it was Gagano. He took him out so he could have a match, another match with Champa. He'd lost that match. Black found out. Black's like the biggest babyface in the company, so all kicked off. Gagano's now turned heel and is now back in leagues with Champa, but he's like reluctant against it. So yeah, it's really good. <laughs> there is going to come a point at which Gagano turns back face and wins the title, and it's going to be like next level. Like yes, hopefully that's at Mania. They've got time to WrestleMania's in April, so they've got time. But please, if you have any scrap of interest in wrestling, you can probably find a good recap to fill in the story parts of this, but at least go and watch their match from uh, TakeOver Philadelphia, because it's, oh, it's, it's, I think it goes about half an hour, but it's, it's the best wrestling you will see all year. I must actually add, I watched two wrestling matches this year. Hello! Both from independent companies. That may be more than I've seen. It, Go ahead. It's, um, I can't remember what companies they were, unfortunately. Uh, I can quickly look them up whilst I'm explaining Was them. it Progress? Uh, are they the UK one? Yes. Um, p- quite possibly Progress. Who was in it? Simon Miller. That's the one who was following. Oh, the YouTuber? Yeah. 
Oh, I haven't actually watched any of his matches. Yeah, I watched his first match where he got clubbed in the head and started bleeding profusely. Oh, yeah, he did get injured. It was phenomenal. Like, because uh, he's, he's quite a big personality. I was like, this this would actually mm. make a lot of sense. He's already in the shape to be a wrestler. Oh, yeah, he's huge. And I watched his first debut match. Like, mm. it, was, it was in, I think it was Progress's Big Rumble. Oh, no, it wasn't Progress. No, it was, um... oh, it was somebody else. No, he's too in it. Progress is like the creme de la creme. Um, he made his... Uh, Oh god, it's Pro Wrestling debut for Defiant Wrestling. I apologize. Oh, yeah, it was at their No Regrets thirty person Rumble. Makes sense. And uh, I mean, he didn't win because he got clobbered in the fucking head. Yeah, but <laughs> it was great to watch it. I was also watching. Um, I can't again. I'm gonna have to quickly find out what company this is from. But Jim Sterling, other video games critic, yeah, has the um, persona of Stardust, which is obviously is a, a play on play Stardust, on Stardust. Cody Rhodes, uh-huh. um, and he's more sort of like. Uh, he's like a more personality one. He's a bit like what's this, the name? The guy that hangs around with um, Undertaker, Kane. No, no, the, the dude. Paul Bearer. He's like Paul yeah, Bearer, right. but for other wrestlers. So, ah, pro wrestling ego. Um, okay, oh, I've never heard of them. Which is, I believe, they're based in like the south of America. Okay, yeah. I watched a couple of uh, Jim's matches. Who's starting to do a few more of the moves, but now he's retiring the Sturdus character. Yeah. So that he can just be Jim Sterling, just an alternate version of Jim Sterling. And he's just being a manager, he's not actually wrestling? He's doing a bit of wrestling, but oh, okay. he's, mainly, he's mainly the talk. He does oh, the packages. There you go, Maggle. Like I said, if I, could have, if I could have seen ahead how good this NXT was going to be, hmm. I would have only told you, you need to watch this week because of X, Y, and Z. Because, oh. And plus, Johnny Gagano loves Marvel. So all of his, like, as he's descending to madness, he went from, like, Captain America at the first one. Now he's wearing, like, Venom stuff because he's gone <laughs> wrong. Oh, it's the best. Nice. It's so good. Uh, right, well, that's our indulgence section, gone. It is. Uh, and now we're going to wrap up with television. Yeah. Um, big old year for TV. Mm. Uh, hopefully I don't cover... If I cover any of your top five, stop me dead. I'm just going to cover a few things. Cool. Um, so I finally gave up on Arrow and Flash this year. Yeah, I didn't watch they either. Two absolute dog shit series. And whilst Elseworlds looks fun, I don't think it's enough to say. No. The, the DC TV stuff is waning. However, they did get me on the hook with Titans because I heard really? it was fucking dreadful. Oh, I've heard different. I it's heard it was all good. right. Mm. And I haven't got to the end of the series yet, but apparently the series finale has got Batman in it. That's what I heard. I saw the preview for Doom Patrol. That looks... Interesting. I was like, Brendan Fraser's in it. Well, I thought it was a movie, but then I was like, what, have they recast Cyborg? But then I was like, no, they haven't recast Cyborg. But yeah, Brendan Fraser's playing, like, the Crimson Iron Giant. Who knew? For reasons. Yep. Um, so I officially gave up on them. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., easily the best superhero thing on traditional TV at the minute. Uh, did any of the Netflix Marvel stuff... Did you even see any of the Netflix Marvel stuff? No! <laughs> I have not watched any of the series, and bear in mind, all four characters had a series this year. Yeah, which is overindulgence. And we've got Punisher coming next month. Yeah, starting in January. Sure. Swiftly followed by its cancellation. I will say. So this may give away which one of them has made the top five. It shouldn't be too much of a shock, Dead considering. Devil. Considering there it has, it is, it is. Every season has won the best of so far. We did, and yeah. we'll have to see where it ends up. Uh, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage both quite disappointing mm. Jessica Jones had a bad villain problem Luke Cage kind of meandered a little bit I didn't mind Bushmaster as mm. a bad guy I think he was actually alright but it ends in a very interesting place but obviously we've got cancelled now and they can't do anything for two years because of the Netflix contract yep. so that's a bit of a kick in the dick Iron Fist was actually the most improved uh, that's... yeah I heard they actually had Kung Fu in it for a change yeah. which so is quite cool it was better 
but not good mm. necessarily. Um, so there was that. Uh, and also The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. I didn't get around to that. Fine. Mm. Uh, very tonally different, obviously, from what it used to be. Cause I've heard it second Nick. the Riverdale approach. Yes, mm. it has. Uh, also found out that the actress who plays Sabrina is allergic to cats, which is why there's not much of Salem in this, <laughs> um, which is a bit annoying. Um, and I think that's basically everything. I tried to... I'm watching Kidding with Jim Carrey in it at mm. the minute. Um, it's a very, very strange show. Well, after Jim Carrey's Andy Kaufman movie. Yeah, so. I know. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Like, I thought it was just going to be, what happens if Mr. Rogers went crazy? But it's much more than that. I didn't get around to watching, I should have mentioned this in the movies, I, I wanted to watch Won't You Be My Neighbour, which yeah, is the documentary same. about Mr. Rogers. Well, totally missed it. But they're doing, they're, uh, Tom Hanks is playing him next year. There's a Mr. Rogers movie coming oh. out. And, and he looks the part best. Nice. Um, what was the other thing I watched? Oh my god! Yeah, I'm working for a kid. In I tried uh, sick of it. The Carpelkinton sitcom. Yeah, it wasn't funny enough. I didn't watch it. It was. Um, uh, it's not idiot abroad. So no, I'm, not... I'm I'm happy he's trying something else and isn't just yeah you know, running out the same stuff. But it just wasn't good. You won't recapture the magic of idiot abroad season one and two. Unfortunately, not. No. Um, is there anything you need to cover, or are you going to straight into top fives? Um, if do you have a worst one? I don't really. I'd say it's. Uh, uh, it's probably between Jessica Jones and Luke Cage. I didn't really watch a lot of bad TV. I watched one bad series, um, and I really wish I didn't have to be the one saying this series is bad. Mm. Because it did feel like a lot of this year has been the things I love the most disappointing me. Okay. But series 11 of Doctor Who is so fucking bad. It's so bad. Now, I want to point out because it feels like you can't criticise this series without being called a sexist or a misogynist mm. or a racist or oh, whatever. Good luck, Michael. But Bradley Walsh is the best thing in it, and that's saying a lot. Yeah. Um, because whilst I'm not totally adverse to there being a female Doctor, mm. Jodie Whittaker's not good enough. Okay. Frankly, we needed a more powerful... I'm still of the opinion that Hayley Atwell should have been the Doctor. Oh, Hayley Atwell would have been a great Doctor That would have been who. really, really good. Because we can't have Olivia Colman because she's already been in the series. Yeah. So let's if we're going with younger, let's go with Hayley Atwell. But with the best one in the world, I feel like Hayley Atwell's above Doctor Who at this point in her I career. I think she is, because Agent Carter made her above Doctor Who. Well, she's in movies now. Yeah. I, know, I know it's becoming like... Well, you've got people like Idris Elba and... Uh, Bendit Cumberbund coming back and doing TV shows from time to time. But they at least feel like an event. Like, the last series yeah. of Luther felt like it mattered. Yeah. But, like, Do- Doctor doesn't feel like it matters. I think that's the that's the big problem. Because it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, we've got three companions now, which is the most we've ever had. Mm. And one of them may as well not be there. That's Yaz, who showed real promise, because we've never had a companion that's been a police officer. Yeah. Which would have offered an interesting dynamic about... The justice of Doctor Who. It goes fucking nowhere. Instead, we do... We, it was like, oh, well, we've got the Asian woman, so we must do the episode about the partition of India. Which I didn't. I don't know much about going in, but yeah. I know it's not a cool backdrop. When he's like, oh, and one of the other characters is black. It's Tosin Cole as Ryan, who is hands down the worst actor in the entire thing. Okay. But obviously, then we go and have to go and do the Rosa Parks episode, because, you know, we've got the black guy Yeah. On. Yeah. And then you've got Graham, who's played by Bradley Walsh, who actually has an arc. Yeah. He has a story. His wife dies in the first episode. And come the end of the series, he's a changed man. Like he they go to a parallel world in the ninth episode mm-hmm. and he finds out that the parallel world has made a copy of his wife and he's like, 
Instead of being like, but how can this happen? My darling, you're back. The first thing you do and you see a little tear in the corner of the eye, it's like, please don't do this to me. And I'm like, I'm getting emotional watching Bradley Walsh. But the series doesn't fundamentally feel like Doctor Who anymore. I, I, I don't really know what to say. It's definitely fallen from grace. It, it's not a series that I really want to watch going forward. No, you enjoyed a little secret, Maggle. I well, watched the first episode. Yep. Because, you know, my girlfriend really likes Doctor Who, and I was like, you know what? I, every Doctor gets a new try. The second I saw that the main alien had teeth in his face, I pissed myself and went and played the yep. Xbox through. <laughs> yeah. So. It's really bad. You didn't stick with it like I did, because I sat through all ten god-awful episodes. He's the main bad guy at the end of the series. Oh, I know that. I, I happened to be there when they watched the finale. Dreadful. I was, I was actually writing my best of list whilst it was on. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, Teeth Boy's back. They cool. come so close to having a good idea sometimes. And yeah. then the rest of it. There's an episode where they try and be like, Amazon is evil. And that's probably the best one. Because they at least do something fun in space. You know, that's science fiction we yeah. like so much in Doctor Who. The rest of it is just piss poor. Like, I would not be shocked if we get... Another series of Jodie Whittaker, there's a regeneration, we get two series of that Doctor, and then it's cancelled. And that'll be it. That'll be the end of Doctor Who. This series isn't the one that kills it off, but it's certainly the first nail in the coffin. (laughs) Oh, female with your anger, Michael. Uh, Right, number five, Mm -hmm. uh, for my top five, um, is one, again, when you read the article form of this, it's only a top three, because I only really feel strongly about my, my top three, but... I wanted to give a really good mention to Lost in Space on Netflix. Hmm. Really liked it. I never got round to it, it's... and I really kicked myself for it because I heard good things. Yeah, it's. I don't think it's for everyone because it's a very. Um, do you know everyone's like Star Trek is like this utopian thing? Hmm. It reminds me most of that, like the idyllic '60s Star Trek, because it's very wholesome. Hmm. Um, like the the whole uh, Robinson family, all kind of bandy around each other there's always a plucky way to get out of a situation um got a good strong cast the robot's really cool looking and has a lot of cool like features it turns into like battle mode at one point which is <laughs> sick um and i really enjoyed it. it it's it's only problem is it's got one character that really cripples it who, who is um the reimagining of the doctor mm. from the original series who was just a doctor in that one, but in this one, um, she's the villain. Mm. Oh my God, she's awful. And whenever she's on the screen, it's like, oh, get out of my life. I just have not got time for this. <laughs> um, and, and she's quite an integral character, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so that that's going to stop it from being anything other than fifth as an honourable mention, basically. But it's worth a go. Again, I'm, it's another one where I'm, like, I'm looking forward to season two more because I think something happens that makes him and she's not going to be in it as much. Um, but yeah, as far as Netflix originals goes, because like I said, Sabrina Sabrina had that problem as well. There was a set of characters and even an entire like um, setting and location. Whenever you go there, it's like, fuck this, I'm bored of this now, move on. Mm. Um, not as bad on this show, and I am looking forward to season two. But yeah, as um, Netflix originals go, well worth a watch. Awesome. And number five, I've got... It's more of a general thing about the Americans, but... <laughs> American season six came out this Yay! year, and oh I'm my god, we'll be talking about this in a little while. Yep, oh my god, Americans has been so good. It's right. a show that hasn't really dipped in quality whilst keeping the tension up, and even into its final series, it's it's really coming home on those ideas. I still haven't finished season six, oh. but the stakes <laughs> oh are high. 
And I love it, love, love it. I, I really wish I'd got into this sooner. I really wish I had. I won't say much because I can't give a full evaluation. Yeah. But just know that I'm on board with the Americans. Good. Um, yeah, because I was trying to say on that for a while of mm. like, what if this ideal American family were actually Soviet spies? That's just that you don't think the dynamics are going to be yeah. that deep and complex and oh my god and it's it's got the same thing that Breaking Bad did mm. where the whole way through Breaking Bad you're like at some point um, I forgot oh what's his name Hank 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 is going to find out and it's going to be awesome oh my god it's going to kick off but the thing is Americans does that with like several different characters first the yeah. dangling page then the dangling um, Noah Emmerich's yeah. character's Stan Stan, Stan, Stan Beeman <laughs> Beeman Seaman <laughs> And you're just like... Then there's the duality of Olga's character. It's yes. Just, and all of it's coming together now. I know. And like, I'm just... I can't wait for you to see some episodes where you're just like, oh, yeah. Um, it's introduced a lot of people that I've now got on to cast in all of their pitch episodes. Yep. <laughs> so I had... Um, I, it took me till like season three to realise they're called Philip and Elizabeth. Yeah. I was like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, I've cast Philip as my as my uh, Kurt Connors lizard, mm. which I was very happy with. I cast Oleg as my, cam- uh, as my chameleon in my Spider-Man pitch. Uh, yeah, I'm very high on it. I will. Okay, I'll mention it now. It's my number three. Fair play. Um, so it's not what I was going to talk about next, but I'll cover it now. Yeah, season six. It wasn't maybe like the ideal ending for what I had envisioned. Oh, because you finished the series. I finished it now. Yeah. yeah. It goes. It it's not what I expected, but I'm not like against it. Mm. And I feel like there might have been a way to more strongly wrap everything up, but it, what you want out of it, it keeps you like in place. Nice. And it still leaves it open. There's spin-off potential off the Americans. I don't know if it was ever like the biggest ratings juggernaut ever. I mean, everyone loved it critically. Like, mm. easily one of the best reviewed TV shows of the last ten years by a country mile. Um, but yeah, it, I'm very satisfied with how it ends, and I, I really hope of all of them. I hope Philip gets a lot more work out of this because mm. he's so so good in that. I think he's in. He might be in the post. He's been in something I've watched this year where I was like, oh yeah, Philip's in it. Um, but yeah, oh my god, so good, so very good. I'm happy you got into that, and that hopefully means you're going to get into Game of Thrones, Michael. It's happening. Project Thrones is happening. Yes, because I have written. You don't know. I've written notes. For every season and quizzes and everything. They're ready to go. The second you start watching Game of Thrones, we're going to have the best fucking time. Uh, right, so that's my number three covered. I will only go back and do my number four, which is another series. Like you, you got into The Americans quite late. I got into This Is Us quite late. Oh. Now, it was sold to me by my better half as like, well, everyone's really talking about it. Apparently, it's just like a family dramedy. Now, I usually run them off many mention of the word dramedy because it just means it's a... Mm, Jack of all trades, master of fuck all type of thing. Because um, it doesn't need, it's basically just, it's comedy and then it'll just take a really horrible turn. Yeah. This is the only show I've ever seen that does it well. Like the stakes are never like ultra high and grim. Like there is a cancer storyline in it, but it's not like as grim as it could be. And it's just a really nice series. It has a lot of really, really good performances. Um, it's anchored by, um, I never remember his name, Lead Guy in Heroes. Oh, um, and, and I he was Rocky's son in Balboa. Yeah, I can't remember, can't remember Peter his Petrelli name. Um, hmm? The guy who played Peter Petrelli. Yes. I can't remember his name, but I know what you mean. Oh, it's going to wind me up. Do you want me to look it up? You look it up, Michael. Um, he's really good. So he plays Jack. Who's like, it's like, basically, it's there's a lot of time jumps, which you don't know about until the end of episode one, that you look at the Pearson family uh, when they were um, back in the 80s. Um, so you have... 
uh, he's playing the dad. You've got um, what's the name? Who's oh, oh, the guy who plays Jack? Yes, it's a Milo Vent McGillian. Of course, it is. Can I borrow that for a you second? May. Uh, yeah, you've got Mandy Moore who is entangled mm. as uh, what's the name? Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Of course, it is. Um, she's. I only knew her as Rapunzel. I'd never seen her anything else. She's so good in this. Mm. So she plays the Mombo from the eighties and now has the best old person makeup you will ever see in your life. Um, and it's got Sterling K. Brown. He's had a really good year. He was um, he was T'Challa's uncle in oh, uh, Black Panther. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, okay. it's also got you see this guy, yeah, Chris Sullivan. He plays Toby. Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. He's Taserface from Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Oh. And he puts on a massive fat suit and he's unrecognisable. He's Amazing. so funny. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's it's not highbrow stuff. And and the jumps in time can sometimes be a bit jarring. Mm. And it's not tackling anything like, it's not sci-fi, it's not anything like, you know, too big. But it's just a really well-made, well-directed, well-written, well-shot show. Sweet. That's worth a, worth a go. It's good couples TV, I'd say. It's got something for everybody. Because like I said, it can be really like, Piss your pants funny sometimes. Yeah. But then it will take a really nice turn in some love stories or something tragic. Really good. Give it a watch. Awesome. Uh, so I've got to do Ooh, a number of... Oh, it sorry, does so, slightly break the MCU continuity, though. Right. Because the Sterling K. Brown's dad is played by the same guy who plays Bobby Fish in Luke Cage, the oh, old that, guy with the hat. That doesn't work. But then they also mention in, that, in Luke Cage season two... He disappears near the end to go near the start to clearly go and shoot. This is us, and then they have um, what's his face from uh, Sons of Anarchy talking about the crying at This Is Us. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you've crossed the wires, you've crossed the streams. It's all over now. Magnum, brilliant. Uh, so my number four show. I'm going to quickly do a rundown of the plot to mm. see if this is something you think deserves to be this high up. Go on. So. Imagine thousands of years ago, there's a Martian civilization, which is crumbled to the ground by an unknown alien force. Okay. Then, ten years ago from broadcast, um, like, of the show, of yeah. the show beginning, the ten years ago event is that a box was, was uh, reclaimed from Mars and brought to Earth. Uh, it was known as the Pandora's box. Okay. Unfortunately, what happened when somebody um, interacted with it, um, trying to steal it, resulted in the country being split into three parts. These giant walls, known as the Sky Walls, mm. sort of erupt from the ground and split the country into three parts. Now, the box is also meddling with the leaders of these three new partition countries' minds, and they're all vying for full control. They want to break down the Sky Walls and invade each other. Okay. In the meantime, there is a scientist who has just recently recovered from amnesia. Right. Who is... T- who is Started trying to help people in the community of one of the small, smaller, well, the smallest of the three partition countries. Yeah. Um, he comes across a guy who's been put in, well, broken out of jail on attempted, well, for murder, which you've later find out is not a murder he committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they team up to try and fight against the oppressive governments and their robot armies. This show is called Common Rider Build. Oh, Christ, I should know, <laughs> I should know. It was the bloody fruit padlocks all over again. <laughs> There's the thing about Build, right? Initially, I really, really hated it. Right. Um, because it just felt like too overstuffed. But you really have to give it a couple of episodes and the plot really starts leaking through and everything, like, it's just all cogs turning at the same time. Right. This is a children's show where one of the characters is convicted of murder. 
It's fun. like Jesus. Oh, but he's the best character. Rules. He's the best character, and you find out that he's like got a connection to the alien, and like he gets um, turned at one point. He turns heel, okay, uh, and then he acquires a power up and gets turned back. The the um, science of amnesia. You find out that he's the guy that founded the evil organization that's trying to brainwash the world. But he's like, oh, I made all these things. And there's a brilliant episode. Unfortunately, it comes like 18 episodes into like a 50 episode run mm. where he's like, I'm done. I'm not doing this. I created weapons of war. I put, you know, dreadful weapons in the hands of the people I hate the most. I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. And he creates this things like this was in my research notes from when I was the old scientist guy. I'm going to create this pair up that's going to help us all. But it snaps his mind whenever he uses it. Like the connection to like any empathy is just snapped. So he goes into full on murder mode. And like there's two like side characters who can like turn into monsters. But they're like good guys sort of. And he just straight up murders them. And they spend an entire episode just like, oh my god. It's just, it slows down and speeds up in ways that the Kamen Rider series hasn't done for years. Right. To a story that actually feels like it's got purpose, it's got weight, it's going somewhere. Uh-huh. And all of this with a man that can transform using little juice bottles. It's weird. But I love it. It's probably one of my favourite Kamen Rider series of the last couple of years. I know that selling Toku is probably going to be as hard for, as you selling me wrestling. Yeah. But if you're going to watch one, if you want one that's got a plot that feels way bigger than the medium it's trying to deliver it in, uh-huh. Kamen Rider Build is that series. Well, there we go. <laughs> oh, I should have known. I should have known I was being suckered into something. <laughs> oh, this sounds pretty good. Oh, it's Kamen Rider again. <laughs> it's uh, so good, though. Okay, right. Do you want to jump... I've given away my number three if you want to jump straight to your bronze medal. Absolutely. My bronze medal goes to My Hero Academia Season 3. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the basically the only shonen show worth watching at this point because Attack on Titan seems to have shat itself. Uh, Black Clover is a load of nonsense. But My Hero Academia... <laughs> it's all a load of nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> My Hero Academia, in the advent of the superhero regeneration of this last decade, is a sterling example of superhero TV done right. Okay. Um, for those who don't know, it's the story of Deku, who is a character that inherits the the world's most ultimate superpower called All for One. Is it All for One? No, it's One for All, and All for One is the evil one. Okay. Um, All Might is this character that's essentially Captain America crossed with Superman. He's the most patriotic, most overpowered symbol of justice. Right, and it's a and season three finally does what they've done. They've been setting up in the manga, which is the transition of power. It's mm-hmm. it's not All Might's not going to save us anymore because he goes out in the most spectacular, most brilliantly choreographed anime fight I have seen in years. Okay, it is a stunning thing. If you're even vaguely into superheroes, my hero should be on your list. It absolutely should be. Each of the side characters feel important. You feel like they have a succinct identity. Uh, none more so in the segment where they took like a bunch of the characters that hadn't had much to do mm. in the previous series. Like, right, they're part of the rescue the captured child story. So like one of their team gets captured by the evil guys and they're like, right, we need to raid their base. And it's like, oh, I haven't, you know, we haven't seen the guy who can turn his skin into rocks for a while. Like, not like the thing, but like he has the rigidity. Rigid right, team. okay. It's like he hasn't had a thing, so he's part of this. The guy who's like part lava, part ice. He gets a massive part in the series. There's a woman who can make weapons, like literally 
fabricate weapons and pull them out of her body. Okay. She gets a massive part in the story. Nobody feels left out. And Series 3 just makes it... Like, it, it's almost like... It's getting, like, Dragon Ball Z levels of hype. Just, okay. like... Where everything feels like, Oh, my God, this is the greatest thing! <sighs> you think it's it's peaked, and then it just... The peaks keep getting higher and higher and higher. I'm really looking forward. I don't think we're going to get Season 4 next year, unfortunately. Aww. But, oh, my God, it's it's a beautiful show. What, are they going to cancel it, or they need a year to make it... They, they need a lot of time. Right, okay. Um... My silver medal, weirdly keeping up the uh, titles with America in the title, American Vandal Season 2. I didn't get round to it. It's oh, good. No. It's it's, re- it can't be Series 1 good, though. It can't. This kind of shows that TV... Because, I mean, we had no Game of Thrones this year. Stranger Things wasn't around this year. It's coming, though. It's getting, oh. Both of those are coming. Oh. And it's going to be a hell of a year <laughs> next year. Um, uh, this, I, I think, again, in a better year. This is a pretty good year for TV. I didn't watch anything that was bad. Mm. But I think in a in a less year this might not have made it so high, and I'm really good if they've cancelled it. Someone's going to pick that up. American Vandal. I would imagine so. Oh, they cancelled that's yeah. Shit. They can't. They Netflix are just kind of oh, Netflix, man. which had the reputation for not cancelling anything and giving anything a fucking whirl, got American Vandal on its hands. Everyone liked it, and then they went, "Nah, bye." They just cancelled everything we like, Michael. So mm-hmm. hold on to what you. <laughs> Stranger Things will be next. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's maybe not as inspired as the first one, but I think the mystery's better mm. of who is the turd burglar. <laughs> um, and it's got... It's, cause it's set in a school, I think it's... Because the first one was, but this is... Um, it feel, it's more attached to that kind of school mentality. It's a prep school. Mm. But it introduces a lot of characters you're like, I know someone who's like that. The, the main guy who's like, it's all pinned on at the start that they kind of come and disprove it... Um, I know so many people like him and it's like the most perfect capture of that type of character I've ever seen. It's amazing. Is, is Dylan um, back, the one who was alleged to have done the dicks? Dylan is not back. Oh. The only two people back from the first series are the two main the presenters. Yeah. Okay. But it's still funny. It's got a lot of good jokes in it. Um, like I said, the mystery is quite good. You just, again, it's the same thing as season one. You forget that it's a parody and you just get into like the mystery of, well, who made everyone shit themselves. <laughs> Because um, just inherently funny that everyone shit themselves. <laughs> uh, not much more to add, really. It's just mm. it was it was good. I do need to watch it because American Battle season one was probably the biggest surprise. Yeah, I it didn't make my top five last year because I didn't watch it until January. So um, yeah, I'm so I'm I'm really gutted, but I would be very surprised if no one picks it up. Um, I've just remember I didn't put Brooklyn Nine Nine on here. Brooklyn Nine Nine had a good year as well, awesome. and got saved itself from cancellation. Yeah, good for them. It's by the very virtue of being Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, I've also gone to the Goldbergs as well, which is slept on. Goldberg. My, my dad's is, a fan of Goldberg. Goldberg is pretty funny, and we're just uh, considering now near the death nail of a Big Bang. Finally, yeah, thank uh, God. it's finally rattling itself out. But uh, no, Goldberg's pretty good as well. Don't sleep on Goldbergs. Hmm. Uh, my silver medal position this year goes to another comedy series, but another animated one, uh, Bob's Burgers. Uh, I've never watched Bob's Burgers. I would highly recommend it. Mm. I sped through all eight seasons last year, uh, and now I'm watching season nine as it comes out. Unfortunately, it's not finished, but I have seen every episode that has aired to this point, and it's just as funny, just as irreverent, and just as oddly relatable as it always has been. Because mm. the characters have always been caricatures and larger than life, but they've always had that kind of... They have that human quality of being so ridiculous, but also quite human in their shortcomings right. and their failings, and nothing goes to plan. And it is, it's, it's 
the it's the sods law show essentially mm. it's like whatever will go wrong will go wrong but they are a family unit and they'll fail together mm-hmm. there's something inherently charming about that and also it is just laugh out loud funny right from the zingers and the the one-liners to the reactions the when you get so into the show, you were like, right, I, I get the feeling that this is going to be where, so like Linda, which is the mum, right. shines and she does. She's hysterical as ever. Uh, or when it's uh, into episode centering on the kids, it's about making their situations larger than life. So like, you know, <laughs> and the running jokes for those who watch the show, like there's always a running joke that they're watching the raccoons in the alley. It's like a reality TV show to them and you just get elements of that. Stringing in. I'm really excited that they're getting a movie in 2020. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Didn't I mean, that's, that. that's the quickest, like, show to movie transition I think we've ever had. Uh, Safe Park was pretty quick. I think Safe Park only had, like, two or three years under its belt before it became ah, fair a enough. movie. Because that was 97, so... God, that feels... I know, I know. still love that film as well. It's more than 20 years old. That's still the best musical, let's be honest. Yeah? Yeah. I'll give that. Mm. But yeah, Bob's Burgers Season 9. It's still the best animated show on TV. See, the Safe Park kind of had a, another stutter of a season. Some really good episodes thrown in, because they kind of, they're doing their hybrid now mm. of like the, the kind of overarching story, but still being episodic and being able to respond to stuff. There was one or two good ones this year, but a lot of them just kind of now. And then near the end, they kind of had to then start wrapping up the storylines and it faltered a little bit. I still love Safe Park, but I can't. I can't keep giving it top spot because no. as much as I love it, it's like, okay, we've tried the overarching story stuff, which I really enjoyed, but then some of the one-off episodes are better and you can't get down the middle of I that. I think the problem is they had that one season where they all thought Hillary was going to win. And yeah. And they clearly had to have a massive like turnaround in the middle when she didn't. Um, and that's the thing, if you're not into the overarching storyline, it kind of ruins the entire season, much like normal TV. But that's kind of safe box strength that it could be reactory. Mm. And now they have to react to stuff, but also in the context of the storyline they have going on. The, the problem is that we've now reached a point of parody in real life that South Park feels like. Yeah. If it, when, when, when headlines read like South Park wrote them. Yeah, you know, we kind of... Yeah, you're past the power at that point. There's no point joining. Mm. Um, okay, my number one, to surprise of nobody, is Daredevil Season 3. Of course. Oh, God. I need to watch it. So annoying. I, I've, I've heard that they've done what I want them to do and done the Bullseye series. I'm going to say it's the best Daredevil season. Mm. I'm going to say it's the best Netflix MCU season. Okay. Because, in a shock, it has no dip. Wow. Daredevil Season 1 had one. Daredevil Season 2 had one. There is no dip in this. Punisher had one for definite. Yeah, I don't think it ever... Right, other than the last episode, we'll talk about that. I don't think it ever matches the heights of early season two of Daredevil vs. Punisher. That's that's a, that's still up. It's a gold standard. Yeah. But there's no dip. They do the Bullseye story. They don't never call him Bullseye. That's He's always called Bill Poindexter. Yeah. I know it's an actual real name, but yeah. Anyway, so they, they do that story instead. They do a really good take on Bullseye. Um... They really go into the kind of Matt Murdock's gone a bit wrong, mm. and he's like, "I'm done with being." That's why he's he is uh, Man of Fear Daredevil the entire series. He oh. does not get the suit back at all. Well, that sucks. No, it's good. No, it's good. You get to see this the Daredevil. You've seen the trailer, right? Yeah, you see yeah. Daredevil, and you know it's you know it's, it's not him in there. So you still get to see the suit, but it's yeah, he's Man of Fear. So I think that's why I'm getting the good season one vibes off it. Um, and Kingpin's back and fucking great he's like aggressive like it's it's 
it's a smart plan from him again because mm. he's got like the tarnished name obviously it's his way of trying to rebuild his good name and do good things but he's still the worst and it's one of Karen's best seasons I think it's Foggy's best season it's everyone's best season the fight choreography unreal do they top it do they top the fight I don't know if they top actually they do and I'm going to have to it's mild spoilers but the the basically the last episode comes down to Kingpin versus Daredevil versus Bullseye and it's a so a three way fight yeah it's so unbelievably cathartic like there's just I won't tell you but there's this one bit where it's just all the it's what it's been building towards mm. is Matt Murdock just oh it's so good I can't really talk about it without <laughs> spoiling it unfortunately but the first the first bullseye fight because they kind of hint like you know they show like his backstory like he's very good at throwing things it's not necessarily a superpower he has he's just incredibly accurate at things and they have their first fight and it's just you know how I giggle whenever Captain America boots somebody really hard like mm. the guy in Winter Soldier who boots him off the boat yeah. I giggle like that every time I see bullseye fight because he's just they're fighting in the in the uh, Daily Bugle or whatever the equivalent that Karen Page works for uh, and she, he's like Daredevil trying to duck out of the way and every time like, Matt Murdock pops his head out he just gets like a pen pinged off his head <laughs> and he's just chucking off his equipment at him and he's <laughs> fucking hilarious there's this one bit where I, I won't tell you the episode's in but he, he's going to shoot somebody on the floor the bullseye is mm. and the gun jams so he just turns walks away and then he just like underarm pings it behind him he smacks him in the face <laughs> not around oh my god it's so good it's unbelievably good. Not even close that this was the best one of the year. Not even close. And I'm really excited for Punisher because if it's just the case of they do a really good season and then cancel it, fine. I'm annoyed we can't capitalise on this momentum and where it leaves us in terms of the Daredevil season. Um, where Matt Murdock is, where Bullseye is, where Kingpin is, all the end of it. We don't get to... Re- we can have at least a two-year gap mm. before we can kind of capture it. If they ever do, they might just say, we had a run with those. We don't have movies in mind for them. But surely they have to save Matt Murdock. He's too good a character. Even if it's just him and Punisher, that they get out of these movies and they say, right, fuck Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist off. We don't need them. We've got Shang... Chi, Master of Kung Fu movie coming. We don't need Iron Fist anymore. We've got Captain Marvel. We've got this. We've got that. All of them can be replaced by stronger characters. I don't think they can do that with Matt Murdock because he's the best. I'm going to say he's one of the best characters in the MCU by far. Kingpin is the only one giving Thanos a run for his money. Mm. He's so good in this. Oh my God. Please go and watch it ASAP because it's so good. And on uh, sort of a tonal flip side of that situation my number one pick goes to hbo's sharp objects um yeah exactly okay <laughs> did you do you know anything about this series? i don't i've heard of it but uh, i know it got a lot of it's got a lot of awards but i, I don't know what it's about it deserves them uh, so this is amy adams's series about you uh, hate amy adams and here's why it's at number one because it made me not hate Amy Adams. Wow. She delivers a fucking stunning performance as Camille Preaker. Wow. She's wow. She's unbelievable. So the story centers on um, a small town, I think it's Indiana or something like mm-hmm. that, uh, where Camille Preaker is a journalist who's gone off to the big city but returns home to report on the story of a murdered girl. And it kind of all spirals out from there. You see the, situa- the situation that she has with her much younger sister and her mother, both of whom are thoroughly mentally fucked up and how that affects the family dynamic, Mm -hmm. also the dynamic of them being the most reputable family in the small 
town right. where the murders, plural, are taking place. Mm. Her relationship with a out-of-town police officer that comes in to investigate. Mm-hmm. And it deals a lot more with sort of psychological problems. So you see very early on that Camille is covered in scars from self-harm. Right. And you see um, multiple scenes throughout the series that explore her time being sectioned mm-hmm. and the relationships that she has with her cellmate in there because they put them in pairs so that they, you know, don't get isolated. Okay. And how that plays on how she reports now, how she has intimate relationships, how she has familial relationships. I really don't want to spoil it because the the final episode of that series is so perfect. It's just you you are being led down this path and then it's like, right, but here's the ending. Here's what it's been the, the whole time, what mm-hmm. you think it is and what it is are similar but different. And it's just these beautiful, twisted, sort of shattered minds events right. that really, really make it. It does take a couple of episodes to get into it. So the first two episodes, I was dubious. Right. Episode three turns you around immediately. And it's a very short run of that eight episodes. Okay. But each episode is an hour. But the production quality is absolutely astounding. The soundtrack paired with the cinematography is... It's a match made in heaven. And some of the performances, I just want to shout out the names of some of the actors and actresses that were involved in Sharp's Object. Because, my God, if these people don't go on to do... More and better things. Exactly. Because Amy Adams was the really the only... Name. Uh, sort of. I mean, most people will know who uh, the mum was, which is Patricia Clarkson. She's been in Easy A. Oh, right. She's been in a bunch of other stuff. She's fantastic. But, you know, Chris Messina, who plays the detective, uh, Richard Willis. Um, Eliza Scanlon, who plays um, Camille's sister, Amma. She's got to be the breakout star. Mm-hmm. Absolutely got to be the breakout star. Um, Miguel Sandoval, who plays the editor. He's fantastic. Henry Zerny, who plays the dad. Really, really fantastic. Everyone sort of around the events and this whole kind of how hierarchy and sort of mental issues affect on different scales, the self, the family unit, the community, and outwards. Mm-hmm. It's such a multi-layered and sort of like, intrin- like not intrinsically shattered, but it, that you feel like you're, you're watching a whole thing and it's a big experience, but information is in very very important fragments and you're putting together the mystery as the characters do right you don't ever feel like information's being held from you right but you also don't feel like you're ever getting the full picture up until the the culminating episode 100 percent, one of the best tv shows i've seen in years i wouldn't be surprised if they do another series but where they've ended it i'd be happy for them to not right they could do another series i don't think they should do another oh, series michael money and Ratings or well, exactly money and stuff. ratings and awards means there's probably going to be another one. I would imagine so, because unless you're Titanic, which is difficult to do a sequel to, yeah. you're probably going to get one. Although, <laughs> wouldn't rule it out. No, whoo! No, oh, that's everything, Michael. That's the year wrapped up. We have dumped everything. It's all gone. Um, and if you want to read more about this, we have written verse um, articles of both of our top ten lists. Um, which coming up, you can also go and listen to our podcast on the best films of 2018 with the corresponding written articles as well. And we've got plenty more coming up. We've got a 2019 preview, which we're going to record soon, uh, as well as quite a few pitches that we've had in the bag for a while. Yeah. They're all very excited about you hearing. 
in the new year. Yeah. So you can go and follow the site uh, at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud at FowleyNT. That's F-O-U-L-E-N-T. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at that Mike Owen, And you can find Darren on Instagram at DazzleTheG and on Twitter at TheGutterReach. Boom. And that pretty much covers it. That's 2018. Done. It's in the bag. And now we're going to look forward to 2019 in the next episode. But thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.